I don't think I've ever heard that a cappella. That's fantastic. People like me have to sing with a lot of music real loud. Well, I guess it's my time, isn't it? I was enjoying sitting here for a minute. Uh, your, uh, your Bible's open, a children's church, if, if everybody wants to leave to go to children. No adults, no adults, unless you're working. Okay. Yeah. Your Bible's open to Ephesians chapter 1 again, Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, Rob, what Robbie read uh, has obviously I picked that for him to read this morning because it's so significant what Jesus did and we're going to pick up on that in just, just a second by reading what Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you'll go ahead and find that in your Bibles and, and I will try to find that in my Bible as well. Speaking of Bibles, uh, we have our new, uh, let me exp- you may not have, be, have come here a long time, so let me explain the pastor's book table. Okay, there's a book table, used to be the old Lord's Supper table that was in our old sanctuary. It's now called the pastor's book table, and I put Bibles and books on there on occasion, uh, and I will tell you that what you pay for them is, is less than what we pay for them, okay? I have a budget, and uh, we don't give them away, but we do sell them. That You never pay what you'd pay if you ordered it from the store, from CBD. So out there now, um, and we're not making money, I'm not making money, uh, there are uh, some new large print Bibles, okay? And uh, since I'm getting older, large print Bibles are important to me. So now they're going to be important to my book table. So if you're interested in, in some large print ESV Bibles, they're out there. Uh, they're cheap uh, in the sense of inexpensive. So if you need a Bible, and, and there's some two good ones. One is a thin, it's called a large print thin line. Okay. So what that means is, is that, of course, number one, if it's large print, it's, it's bigger than normal. But immediately if you think thin... Uh, it's called a thin, so it, it's so the words can't be huge because it's a thin Bible. But if you like carrying a smaller, uh, flexible Bible, it's a thin line is what they call it, ESV. It's out there, large print. And then there's one called, one of my favorites, and I have two of these in my office. It's called a single column, uh, single column uh, journaling Bible. Large print and... So what it means, single column, means there's not two columns in the Scriptures. There's one right down the middle of the page. But on each side, there's places to write. There you go. Look, I'm holding one right there. She got the last, one of the ones we had last time. You can write on the sides. You can write at the bottom. And I know you want to take notes of my sermons. So this would be one, this would be one you, would really, you would really want to have. And for parents of children, I happen to order some Bible story books out there. It's be some of the best five dollars you ever spend. Uh, little, it has a hundred Bible stories in it, and uh, be good if you have children at home. And I try to do this every once in a while. And there's one. Miss, Miss uh, Nobles is holding one up. So I was telling my class I will. I haven't read every one of those stories. I mean, I have historically. I've read, but the five that I read in the front, nothing was wrong. But I didn't proof the whole book. So you may be reading 
one of them and it has some weird application. So just know that it could be squirrely in some areas. But from what I read, it, it, sounded, it, sounded, really, it sounded really good. I want you to take your Bibles with me now and, and go to Ephesians 1. And I'm just going to read the last couple of verses of the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. Um, the significance, and I'm, I'm aware, I told my class, I'll be aware of the time, and I'll be faithful to that, so don't get all caught up that I'm going to go an hour. Uh, it's what you're thinking, and uh, I'm not. I don't think our voice would last that long anyway, but um, when Robbie read that, and I had Robbie read about Jesus, uh, His temptation, there's a couple things I want you to think about there in Luke 4 is the account that we read. he read, is that Jesus, when you're thinking about Jesus doing that, that historical event, there's a couple of things that are just overwhelmingly important to us as Christians. And for us to understand even the work of the church and why, uh, why when the Bible talks about what we ought to be doing as a church, why... It's, it's commanded and in, in why church life is so important. It finds its roots in events like when Jesus was tempted. And, and this is what I mean by that. Is that Jesus is the last Adam. Okay? Uh, we know that uh, sometimes He's called the second Adam, but He's called the last Adam. There was a first Adam. Okay? And you can answer this out loud. D- did the first Adam resist temptation? He did not. Are you a descendant of the first Adam? Yes, you are. So you inherited from Adam a sin nature. You inherited condemnation, dead in sin, blind to the things of God. Paul says all these things in Ephesians. Just absolutely erect, Jesus came. There's a new covenant. Jesus is the last Adam. And, and if you're reading the story of the fall, Satan came into the garden, right? Jesus was led to the wilderness to face the devil. Jesus came to conquer sin, death, and hell. This, it says, you can read it there, the Spirit led him out in the wilderness. It's called the wilderness of sin. And that picks up from Moses leading the children of Israel after they disobeyed and wouldn't go into the promised land. They spent 40 years in the desert and died. You know, everybody under over 20 died. It's called this, the, the, this, you know, it's the desert of sin. Uh, Jesus went out there to the desert, but He went out there to conquer, not to be a victim. And, and Jesus was victorious. But something else you have to think about that's just so incredible. I had to look it up. My, I, I don't get on my phone a lot during church. Obviously, I can't because I'm preaching. But I wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about. But remember, this is what Robbie read, Luke 4. It says that at a, time in, at a point in time, well, he took Jesus and he showed him, and it says a point in time, all the kingdoms of the world. Right Now, here's what's interesting about that. And, and, and he says... All this I'll give you, right? Well, when Jesus rebuked him, what's interesting to me is Jesus didn't tell him he was a liar about that. Did he? No, because he is the God of all those kingdoms. But the word he uses for all these worlds, 
I'll give you is the word for what man would build. It's, 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 the, word ha- it's the word dome, oikos dome. You don't care about the word, but it means a building built by man. So when he says all these kingdoms, he was talking about all that man will accomplish, all these things that man will do, built, I will give you. And if you'll fall down and worship me. But Jesus didn't say you're wrong about that. He just said you're wrong about the kingdom. So when Jesus established a new covenant, after He defeats the devil, after He goes to the cross, after He ascends to the Father, He promises that the Spirit was going to come in what is now known as the church, that He was going to send the Spirit and that on a certain day at a certain time in Jerusalem, He would start a new way of salvation and that would be through the work of the church. And so this is what He meant in Matthew 16. I mean, they they didn't understand everything when He said it, but He says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and you'll open and shut doors. He wasn't talking about them having control of hell and heaven, but He talked about the church. He said, on this church I'll build my... On this rock I'll build my church. It's about us having the ability to proclaim the truth, people get set free, or us proclaim the truth and they reject it and be locked out. We, we control the truth. And that's why when you read all the epistles, Paul keeps talking about that we're, we're stewards, we're soldiers of the truth. We have to protect what's in this book. So when it comes to the work of the... the, the Paul is writing a letter to a church. Every church matters. The book of Ephesians, the church at Ephesus matters, but Redland Baptist Church matters. And when the, so when the Bible says we're the body of Christ, we, we are, we're part of His kingdom and now we're disseminating the message that Christ established on this earth. And we're it. The truth is, it, we're, we're stewards of that truth. So when, when the Bible talks about being the body of Christ, you know, we've got it wrong. I've told you this before. We're not a loose, uh, free uh, association that's just like a club. We're not, we're not some club uh, that you can come or go like you please. It's, the, it's not that. Um, some people will say, and, and again, I understand this, the logic of it. They'll say, well, uh, like when I ask you, to, like the nominating team is working, and they'll say, well, you're asking people, they're, they're just volunteers. You know, you're, you're a staff member, and I am. I'm, like you say, quote, you're paid to be here, and you're paid to do what you do. And the, so we're asking you to work in the church, work in the body. And, and people say, well, you know, you can't press them because they're just volunteers. Is that true? No. You're not a volunteer. You're a slave. You're a slave. Not to me, but to Christ. And you know what the Bible says? How He earned it? He bought you. He bought you with His own blood. And, and, you're, and you're obligated to Him, not so you'll earn your salvation, you're obligated to Him because He forgave you all your sins by His own sub, substitutionary death. That's what the church is about. That's what the call is about. So, you know, because this is kind of my focus right now, you know, thinking about this, it just grieves my soul where the church is gone in, in the last um, 
in the last several years. It's just, it's sad. You know, we all talk about the, the, the preacher friend of mine were talking the other day about the, the COVID effect and what it's done to the local church and the, it, as apathetic as you could, a lot of people were about Christ in the church. They're even more apathetic post-COVID. But what's even sadder, it's, it's an offense to Christ. If you're, you know, I don't, you're here today, so I'm preaching to the choir, but when you and I think about or we deal with people that are in our church, and, and, and listen, if you're here today and you've never joined, but you come, you're part of our family. At some point, you do need to plant your life here. You need to officially join and identify with the body, but we're glad you're here. So I don't want to exclude you, but, but if, you're, if you're coming here, uh, it, we're, you have an obligation. It's not because I say so. It's not because you would expect the preacher to beg people to give and to attend and to, and to participate. Yes, you would. But, but I'm begging you to obey the Scriptures is what I'm begging. I just want... I'm getting an echo. Are you getting an echo? On my voice, is there an echo? Hello, hello, hello. There's one now. See if you could. That's pretty good, wasn't it? I'll be doing a performance after church today if you want to stay. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. But um, but I am getting an echo. It may be that I'm going deaf or something. But I am getting. Anyway, I move on. So it matters to me. It matters to Christ. It should matter to you. And when you deal with, when you think about people that you have relationships with that are in our church or in, you know, part of our family, and, and they're not where they ought to be. Of course, none of us are. But you know, you know, they're, you're, you're, you identify that they're not near where they need to be. Folks, that matters. It's more than, you know, like... We, we used to have uh, this outreach thing. We would call it uh, Outreach Sunday. We don't do this much anymore. People aren't at home on Sunday. When you're going to see them on Sunday afternoons, so we used to call it Outreach Sunday. And, and we would... We would now th- again, I'm not trying to be ugly at all. I, and I'm not mad. People think i got an attitude. I'm not upset. You know, uh, you know today's a good day. Do you know why today's a good day? Well, it's the Lord's Day, number one. But number two is we've been keeping three grandkids and they go home today. So, so uh, and one's three and one's two and they, I've just about lost my mind. But anyway, so I couldn't wait to get up here and get in this morning. I'm just kidding. I'm, but we just think about the importance. I lost my train of thought, but just think about the importance of Christ Church. We're, what people are doing out there is not just... It's an offense. It's an offense to Christ. It makes mockery of His church. So I want want you to look at verse... Let me just pick up Acts 1... I mean, not Acts. uh, Ephesians 1. And look at verse 19. And I'm just going to read down through verse 20, 23. And uh, of course, we've read this two or three times uh, in the last few Sundays. So I just want you to catch a couple of thoughts here. It says... and so he's talking about the greatness of Christ and uh, the hope of His calling, uh, what are the, the hope that He called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. He does a, a past, present, and a future description there of our salvation. And salvation is past, present, and future. 
And what is the unmeasurable? Verse 19, and what is the unmeasurable? That's a great word. It's out of the ballpark word. To hit the ball. Out. Out. You'd almost say to hit a home run. It's out far above kind of description. He uses two words there to translate it immeasurable great. So what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us? Get that again. What is... You can't measure it. That's my point. What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us? What? Who believe. Who believe. So what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His great might. Now tons of the Bible word, the Greek word, the word energy is in there. The word dynamite is in there. That God releases all of this power when you and I believe in Him to save us, to transform us. Now, this is the power that saves us. This is the power that we live in. So, this power is the same power that sustains our Christian life. And I'm just saying that this is what saves, this is the power that saves us. Is this the power that we are demonstrating as we walk for Christ in a lost world? And it says says that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So, it's just like marriage. It's just like marriage. Okay. I'm never going to get where I want to go, but I want to tell you this. Think about this. It's just like marriage that Christ, when God, when God made Adam and Eve. So it's, now, if you're saved and born again, you believe this because you know God's eternal. You know He's sovereign and He's far above us. But the Bible says that when God made Adam and Eve, He was looking forward about 4,000 years, right? Uh, when He made Adam and Eve, He was looking forward 4,000 years to Christ and the church. So Adam and Eve, the plan for Adam and Eve was not just an empty thought and God started and He was was desperate and He had to make man. No. He looked in the future and knew about Christ's love in the church. And so it says that in Ephesians 5 that Adam and Eve are a picture of Christ and the church. Okay? So when we think about when we think about the importance of the church, this is why the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. We have this overwhelming sense, this intimacy, but it tells us in verse twenty that 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 in order to save me, to save me, to save you, to to take a dead person, spiritually dead person, and give them life to to change their nature, to take the old man, our old fleshly nature that you're born with, that just rules everything, to take him off his throne and make him submissive to a new nature, as the Bible calls a new man, you might call it, and then you have the old man. To, to do that, to, to transform my loves and my likes, to make me a brand new person. Where did God get that power from? Where... What was, the, what was the premise? What was the model that He was going to use when He did this through the Holy Spirit? Well, Christ. So the power that Christ, that God the Father released 
to bring Christ out of the grave is the power that He releases to save me from my sins. So, so folks, this is why we, you know, we talk about salvation being a gift of God and the work of God. You can't do that. If it took resurrection power to, to you to pass from death to life, how in the world do you think you can earn it? So he says that he worked in Christ. So he's telling us, according to the work of his great power, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the right hand in the heavenly places. So, that's what, so when we get saved, God releases. But here's what I want to read. Far above all rule and authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So, so Christ is the ultimate authority. Okay? Uh, the, the thing I put is, Jesus Christ has unshared supremacy. Even in the Trinity, the Son has been placed not over the Father, but He's been placed at the right hand of the Father. The book of Colossians tells us this. It tells us this in Ephesians 1, that all authority, all power, all ruling power, all judgment, all condemnation, all those powers have been given to Jesus Christ. We call it, or I call it, unshared supremacy. He, when God made stuff, when God made something out of nothing, the Bible says it was Christ that did it. He was the Word. Now, absolutely, so He was the Creator God. He's eternal, Christ is eternal. He's everything, and now He rules all things. He's over it all. But then He's, he's done something in in His economy and, and how He's going to deal with mankind. Now I want you to think about that and, and look what He says in the next two verses. So what did He do with all this power? You think about the power to create the, the, uh, the, the stars or sustain uh, just how, how uh, hydration, you know, I, I didn't study in this time, I'll call it, you know, the Water, uh, water vapors rise from the ocean every moment, moment by moment. They rise, they get in the air in clouds, they float over land masses, and then it rains. The rain goes on the ground, it drains in rivers and streams, or on rivers eventually, some of it goes all the way back down to the same ocean, the ocean, again, vapors rise. That hydration, Jesus is Lord of that. And He sustains that moment by... That's what the Bible says, book of Hebrews. Moment by moment, day by day, Christ is Lord. That's just one thing He's doing. But when it comes to the work of salvation, He has distributed that to a group of people. To the work of salvation, He's distributed it to a group of people. He happens to call those people His church or His body or His bride. Yes, you represent Jesus. There's no other plan. There's no other plan. We are the body of Christ. Every church is a local demonstration of Jesus Christ. There's, there's absolutely no other plan. This is how God's going to do it. So based on what, what we say, how we live, what we preach, what we teach, that's the Jesus people are going to hear from. 
So he says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. It's awesome. Which is his body? This is an emphatic statement. Redland Baptist Church is the body of Christ. If we're a biblical church. Church almost exclusively was local. When you look at the Bible, the word church, it's almost always talking about a local church like us. Which is His body? The fullness of Him who fills all in all. So, the eternal God who came in human form, who ascended to the right hand and now rules and controls all things, He's now head of the church and He distributes His authority through the local church. We become, that's what it says, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So how is Christ going to fill this world? Fill it through the church. He's not going to fill it through parachurch ministries. He's not going to fill it through you know, tent revivals or, or He's not going to appear in the sky. It's through the church. It's about the church. It's about His body. It's about His bride. It's about His building. It's about Him being the shepherd, us being the sheep. It is about the church. You are the body of Christ. That's what he says in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians. You are the body of Christ and individual members one of another. This is it. He has no other plan. So if somebody's going to have the mind of Christ, share the will of Christ, who's it going to be? It's going to be us. And so when you read the epistles, that's the argument to, like to Timothy. Guys that are pastors, Timothy and Titus, he keeps hounding them saying, hey, stand for the truth, be firm, you know, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with God's Word because you know, people, we're fickle. And we'll want to hear things we want to hear, not what God needs. This, because we are the body. Now, uh, I wrote down a couple of things because I knew I'd forget. Uh, hold on, I, I don't want to go over. Okay, I'm over. Uh, I wrote down, it says the church, and it, I could have written this better, but I was in a hurry. Is The church is the authority on earth that Jesus has instituted to officially affirm and give shape to what it means to be a Christian. So when... Because it used to be, you know, when you heard... And I'll finish. When you heard somebody say, I went to... You know, I'm talking about when I was lost. I can remember. And I had several good friends in my classes. You know, you'd have classes, you know, and, and they'd get, end up in my homeroom all the time. Or something. I had several I remember, and I knew they were Christians, and it meant something when they, when they would say, we're going to church tonight. I, it meant something. I identified them as, you know, I didn't know everything, but you knew, and I wasn't thinking they were pious and self-righteous. I just think they, they lived different than me. Well, that's, that's who we are. That's so people's view of Christ it's going to be found through us. And are we distorting? Here's my hope where I was going. But the problem is you and I are distorting the picture. That's, that's the fact. We're distorting. If Jesus is, I'm, and again, you're going to think, oh, brother's got a, Brother Bryce has got a spur in his saddle today, and I don't. I don't. Uh, if, you're coming to, if, you're, if you're a part of the body, and you're coming 
once a month? Who are you disobeying and who are you obeying? Now, I'm not, there's things that get in our way. We've got to go see family. There's things we've got to do. I'm not talking about the gots to do stuff. I'm talking about when you willfully jettison the Lord's day. Did you hear what it said? Whose day is it? It's the Lord's day. It's not your day. Your money is His money. Do you know that? He lets you keep some of it. So, who's going to do this? We are. So, you, listen, when you and I are disobedient, we let each other down. We do. Because we're, we're intimately connected. We do. Um, I think about all the fellowship we've missed, all the exhortations we've missed when God's people aren't faithful with each other and just being the body. But more than anything, we're making, you know, we're mocking Christ. We're mocking Christ. Jesus is Lord. That word means master. Jesus is Lord. But is He? Is He? Uh, I want to show you this one little thing. You got your Bibles open? Right here, I'm still in Ephesians 1. I'm going to show you this one thing and we'll close. I've got to take me just a second to find it. says, uh, I want to go back up and read again. That, uh, look at verse 12. He says, so, we, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ. Now this Paul's talking about himself in the first group of believers. Now think. He's talking about 2,000 years ago, you had the, the people saved at Pentecost. Paul was at... Was, was in Jerusalem at Pentecost, and then they go on to the persecution of Stephen. He ended up having Stephen executed. Then he gets saved on the road to Damascus. So he, so, but he said, he's one of the group, first group of people that got saved. So he says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And, and then he says, in Him you also... So I'm looking back and I look after I look 2000 years back and I study the life of Paul, I study the life of the apostles and they lived for the praise of the glory of Christ. They did. They did. I'm read about it. Just common men, fishermen, most of them fishermen, commoners, transformed by the grace of God. And then Paul says to me and you, in him you also when you heard when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him were sealed. So guess what? There's others today that are living for the praise of God's glory. And it's every one of us. If you've been saved. And I'm circular here. If you've been saved. And if you've been saved, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. That means you're His. And guess what His people do? His people live for the praise of His glory. That's what we need to be doing. We're the church. Amen? Nobody else is going to do it. The world doesn't support you. They hate Jesus. 
there's going to come a day where they're going to start playing ball on Sunday mornings. You wait. They'll, they'll start doing it 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. They're going to start doing other things. Whatever. They're, they're, they keep asking you to give up more about the church and serve the world. And over time, you get beat down to death. Usually it's your kids pounding you with it. And you just give in. But what you've given in to is mocking the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is not your day. This goes all the way back to creation, right? He worked on six, he rested on the seventh, and then he ordained it for a day of worship. This is not your day. This is the Lord's day. So folks, I can tell we're not where we need to be because I can't get all the people to show up half the time on the Lord's day. So it's a good measure of where we are faithfully. I want to live for the praise of His glory, and I praise you do too. Let's stand together. Right there it says, and He put under Christ, and He put this under Him. It's talking about Christ's authority. And he put all things under him. That word under was, was a military term describing the victory of, a, of a, a captain over an enemy and where the captain would symbolically go and step on the neck of the leader of the enemy as a symbol of victory. Christ has stepped on the devil, right? He's won the victory. And now he's given us all the spoils of that victory everything that He accomplished. And He says, go, go and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Let's pray. Father, we love You and thank You for Your Word and we thank You for, Lord, the privilege to gather in Your name. And God, You're good to us far beyond what we deserve. And Father, we, we want to be more for everybody in here, Lord. And I, I don't know everybody's heart, but I know the sin nature. I know human nature and I, I know what we struggle with. Father, I pray that for all of us today, when we leave here, whatever, wherever we might be and knowing all the places and things we need to do for Jesus, that we will know that it's more. It's more than attending church. It's about being the church. The called out body of Christ. God, help us to be that for the glory of Christ. We pray in His matchless name. Amen. We'll be here Wednesday night. I hope you'll join us.